Hallelujah. If you'll take your Bible and turn with me to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, we'll be reading verses 1 through 22. I want to take just a moment to glorify the name of Jesus above every other name. And this morning we have gathered to exalt one name that is the name of Jesus Christ. The church is not about me, it's not about the music, and it's not even about our church. It's about the one that is high and lifted up, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, and he can transform your life. I can't do much for you, but he can do more in one second than I can do for you in a lifetime. Does anybody believe what I'm saying? Church just praising this morning. Go ahead. It's all about Jesus. Amen. So all the glory and all the honor and all the praise and all everything that we do belongs to him. Let us pray. Father God, we love you and we just exalt your holy name. Oh, God, let us experience you today. Let us fill you today. Let us just be able to experience your indwelling spirit. Lord, stir within our heart today to become better for you, not bitter. Father, I just ask that today that you'll speak to us, speak through me, hide me behind your cross. Oh God, help us to realize that the very place that we sit, the very place that we stand, it is holy ground. And so, Father, as I speak your word, I pray that, Lord, that, that you will just speak through me. And that your word will not come back void, but it will prosper there too, which it was meant to be sent into the ears And unto the heart of every person. And so God, today, move us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We started a series last week entitled, Word of God Speak. We looked at when God spoke to Abraham and told him to go and sacrifice his son Isaac. And the last point to my sermon last week was this. When God speaks, it's a moment That changes the course of your life. We learned that when God is moving up one side of the mountain, that experience that God is making provision for us coming up the other side of that mountain. I remember back when I was just young, just a boy, and I remembered how even in that moment when uh, Brother Bill Snowden was preaching, this was the pastor that introduced my aunt and introduced all these people. Well, I could probably even go back to even... Uh, Pastor Green and so on and so forth, where salvation took place. I'm nine years of age. And I remember sitting there and hearing that pastor speak. And within my spirit, I started to become stirred at nine years of age. And I don't even remember what he said, but I do know one thing. I know that he said, if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, nine years of age, I just don't think that's an experience that any nine-year-old wants to have. I don't think if you're 65, that's an experience that any of us 65-year-olds want to have. Amen? None of us, 67, none of us want to experience hell. So I went home and I asked my mom, I said, Mom, how do I get saved? He said all this. And that was back in the day. You know how we just dismiss the kids because, you know, they're doing back flips and front flips and they're running around the sanctuary. What happened back in the day when we used to have to sit through the sermons? And the sermon didn't go 30 minutes. The sermon went an hour and a half. And the preaching was like this. And they were grabbing hold of you. And all kinds of things started taking, you know. I knew at nine years of age, no wonder, I think he scared me right out of hell is what he did. 
things changed back in that day, right? But see, I, we can do it. Look, Harper even, she slept right through that. She's like, I'm out. That was enough. That singing wore me right out. But I sat there and I know that the Holy Spirit started to work within me. And He started to move within my spirit. And I don't care who you are. When God starts to speak, things start to happen. We have to be an open eyes, open ears, open heart, receptive to what God has for our life. So mom showed me how to, how to get to heaven. She took me through the Romans road and she said, this is what you must do to be saved. Age 13, we're now no longer at that church. We're now at Lake Milton at another church. And I felt the movement to, to, to become baptized. And so at 13 years of age, I got baptized. And I remember, you know, that was back in the days when You know, the baptism was way up there in the heavens and you had to climb seven flights of stairs just to get up to it. And everybody was looking up to you with binoculars and I'm looking down at him. I thought, man, everybody looks small down there. But I knew what I was doing. I knew that as soon as I got baptized, I knew the seriousness of it. I knew what I was going through. And at 15 years of age, I'm now in Indiana with my family. And I I heard a man speak, missionary to Papua New Guinea. And you guys have heard me say this before. But listen, he was speaking, but it was God speaking through him. So when the word, when the word is opened up and the pastor starts to speak, I, I often have to stop and really listen. And I want to, to reverence God's holy word. And that's what we should do. A lot of times I think my sanctuary is like a popcorn machine. People are up and down like it's popcorn time. No, it's not popcorn time. And it's not pee-pee time or poo-poo time. It's seriousness time. It's 30 minutes. 40 minutes that the pastor's preaching. And yet sometimes I think that's, we're like, I need a drink of water. Uh, He's pouring right now. I'm going to get up and then I'm going to come back in. I don't know. I just thought I'd put that out there. But, you know, we need to be serious about God's word. And when God's word is spoken, remember the people that are around you, that one person, remember the one out of the 99, out of the 100, they went and got the one. Maybe it's that one that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's the day of his salvation story. And when God starts to speak, we need to be ready and listen. See, we, 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 put, we put all that aside, and, and so at age 15, I surrendered. I moved. I remember clutching that seat going, I'm what? I'm going where? I'm not going to Africa. I can't go to Africa. That's not what God said. He goes, I'm not telling you to go to Africa. I'm telling you to answer the call right now. And I remember moving out of that, that, that seat, coming down, and surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. My life has never been the same. Ever been the same. Man, the things I've gone through, the things I went through. Uh, my parents were divorced. My life was different. You know, some, so many have, have families that are together. And, you know, my dad owned bars. And it was just a whole different lifestyle for, for me with him versus my mom. Although my dad came to know Jesus Christ. Never lived a life of it. Lived a life of, uh, of really just pouring into the world versus pouring into the kingdom. But it never changed who I was. Because you see, church, when we realize who we are, our past doesn't define our future. Only Jesus does. So we have to realize that even in my life, I'm glad that mom accepted the call. I'm glad that my family accepted the call. This is real church. We're here today. People shouldn't be at home sleeping. People should be here to hear what God has to say. If not here, the church up the street that's preaching the gospel. 
or the church down the street, wherever. Be in church. It's so important. I can't express that enough. Oh, you're saying that. No, I'm saying it because I've been where you're at and I know who I am. I know what my identity is. I know the kind of person I can be if I wasn't born again. I know the kind of person I could be if I didn't have Jesus Christ as my GPS and my compass in my life. I'm not up here to say, oh, you're the pastor and that's why you're saying that. No, what I'm saying is fall in love with him. Just bask in love with Jesus Christ. Today, the course of your life can change forever. As God speaks to you. And it may not be a call to pastor, it may not be a call to be a, a missionary, but when he speaks to you, it will change in a moment. And that moment might be a huge decision for you, of faith, of courage, and of obedience. Maybe it's a call to come to Jesus and maybe be saved. That will definitely change the course of your life forever, whatever it is. When God calls, we need to listen and obey no matter what. When God calls, we need to listen and obey no matter what. When God spoke to me in that office, I'm not going to wrestle with him down here and say, but if somebody gives $10 and 20 and 190 and 5,762, they'll take away from the offering and the tithe of this church. I'm not worrying about it. I'm doing what God laid on my heart. God gives the increase. You know, it's really interesting because my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns mansions over the hilltop. I mean, he is, he shows so much provision, it's unbelievable. Why do we put such an emphasis on money? Because it takes one person to drive down this road and God starts to speak to him. If we speak to and do what he says to us, God can change the course of your life. Paul knew it and he spoke it in his word. So we're in Exodus chapter 3, but... I just want to give a little bit of a backdrop to where I'm going, what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. And, and I know we've kind of packed a lot into the service this morning. But I would like to give a backdrop into Moses' life. So that this passage in Exodus chapter 3 is brought into its proper context. It is vitally important for you to see its proper, that it's improperly in order for us to proceed any further. Understand that this man Moses was born a Hebrew was raised an Egyptian, and at the time of Moses' birth, the Hebrews were in slavery. In the land of Egypt, nearly 400 years. All the generations previous to him, his father, his grandfather, were in slavery under the harsh oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt. And Pharaoh mandated that all the newborn males that were Hebrews, would be annihilated and put to death for fear that they, the Hebrews, would outnumber them in strength and would outnumber them in power. So Moses is born into the Hebrew family and his mother puts him in a basket and pushes him down the Nile River. The Bible says that Moses' name literally means to be drawn out. Pharaoh's daughter literally drew him out of the water, drew him out of the Nile, and raised him in the palace of Pharaoh. Now, it's important for us to look at this story, and it sounds poetic. It seems really nice and powerful. And this story of Moses is an amazing and good story. But it's important for us to see the humanity of Moses. This is a man who doesn't fit in anywhere. Born a Hebrew, but raised in the palace of Egypt. 
talk about a struggle, a conflict from within to find his true identity. It is found in the person of Moses. He didn't fit in with the Hebrews because he was raised in the house of Pharaoh and he didn't fit in in Egypt because he had Hebrew blood flowing through his veins. Moses didn't fit in anywhere. There was a conflict with his identity. Moses didn't fit in there. As we see the life of Moses unfold, we see at the age of 40, Moses kills an Egyptian slave driver. As he oppresses a Hebrew slave in his anger and rage, he lashes out and kills the Egyptian slave driver, causing Moses to flee into exile into the remote wilderness of Sinai's peninsula. Forty more years, Moses is wandering aimlessly, and this is where we pick up in the story in Exodus chapter 3. So listen, as we understand, and when God speaks, we move. Amen? So let me, uh, I'm going to read out of this Bible this morning, just because I have notes, and it's important for me to read today out of this. That's what I know, right? So it'll be out of the King James Version. I might re- reference the NLT. But I'm going to start in verse number one. Now, Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire. Then the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush is not burnt. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off your feet, for the place whereon you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their pain. I know their sorrow. Verse 8. And I'm come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land into a good land and a large, unto a land of flowing with milk and honey, and to the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I'm starting to lose my sight. Oh, just kidding. Verse, verse 9. Now, therefore, the word therefore means on your mark, get set, go. Just want you all to know that. Behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now here. And I will send you unto Pharaoh, that you may bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I? Circle that. That I, circle that, should go into Pharaoh, and that I, circle that, should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt. And he said, Certainly I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When you have brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What do you think I'm going to say to them? Verse 14, And God said unto Moses, I am 
that I am. Did that sound authority? I'm not God, but I thought I'd emphasize that. Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God, meaning Yahweh, of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of the Israel Gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites into a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 18. And they shall hearken to the voice and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel and the king of Egypt, and you shall say unto him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst of thereof. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor. There's the word favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. But every man shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver jewels of gold and raiment and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters and you shall spoil the Egyptians what do we notice here in verses 2 through 4 and I'm going to do this quickly this morning there was no delay Moses saw the bush and went over there responded to God immediately when God spoke to him from the burning bush why is it that so often we delay we we step back and in, in, in this story when we hear God speak, we, all, we want to say, is it really Him? Is He speaking to me? Wait a minute, is that coincidental? Wait a minute, you know I took that turn back there, but I was thinking, no, there was no delay. He spoke directly to Moses. Also, there was no casual attitude. He removed his shoes. He covered his face. Common practice for Egyptian priests in Moses' day to remove shoes when entering temple. It's also common practice for the Muslims. I didn't even understand the importance of taking off shoes while in a poly fellowship worship. I would go there on a Sunday afternoon and I'm like, what in the world is going on here? We had shoes everywhere because everybody that was in the praise team would not step on the platform where God's holy word was spoken without taking off their shoes. They referenced and recognized the holiness shows an awareness of personal defilement and unworthiness to stand in the presence of perfect holiness it wasn't the dirt that moses stood on that was holy it was the god it was god almighty in whose presence he was standing that was holy isn't that amazing i mean think about this if god moves church just just put this through your mind if you're sitting here cj that the y'all are six feet away God will speak to you and we wrestle with how God's going to move in our life. We come to church, but we sit there with an attitude. We're not going to let God move in our life. He didn't have a casual attitude. He took it serious. Because you see, when you start to realize what Moses went through, 
that he, he, he started to realize his identity in God, not in himself. I mean, can you imagine being raised with the Egyptians, knowing that you're a Hebrew, knowing that you didn't fit in here, you didn't fit in there, knowing that, that this just took place, you murdered a man, and how can you find favor with God? We want to beat ourselves up, but remember, the enemy is always against us. He doesn't want you to do anything. He didn't want any of you in the biker club to be here today. And I just want to say, I'm sure you guys get to see all kinds of dynamic of, of preaching and, and different types of worship. You see it all, you know, when you're, you're traveling around and, and just presenting the gospel and preaching the gospel. But you come with an attitude that you're serious. You have your Bibles. You want to hear the word. You want to be taught by the word. And you want to go, you know, uh, gaining transformation in your life. When God speaks, don't have a casual attitude. Listen. Allow him to move within your heart and in your life and in your mind. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That which is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Also, there was no confusion there. God gave Moses very clear directions about the job he was calling him to do. See, we, we mess everything up. We have everything in the soup bowl, we mix it up, and then we try to get reason out of it. There was no confusion. God is not the author of confusion. God is there to give clear direction in your life. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Let's acknowledge who He is. Let's bow the knee, submit our hearts, submit our life to hear what God has to say to us. No excuses. I love if you look in, in chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me nor hearken unto the voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto you. Moses began a typical human response to God's call. He began making excuses to why he couldn't do what God was calling him to do. Listen, church. People could say, it is impossible for you to get that. It is, I mean, there's no way that you could ever move into 10 acres of church and a parsonage for that kind of money. And I want to look at him and go, and you can't do anything that you're doing because you have no kind of faith. Do we believe in what we cannot see? Oh, Moses saw that bush was just a talking. He heard and experienced the presence of Almighty God, but didn't move on it, didn't, didn't respond to that, didn't react to that. He says, listen, there are no excuses. He thought in his heart, they won't believe me. They won't listen to me. I'm not a good speaker. There's someone better suited for me. God responded to every one of these excuses with his perfect solution, his perfect plan, and his perfect wisdom. So whatever excuse you're going to throw at God today, when, not if, he calls is flimsy, flawed, and will fall apart when it comes up against God's perfect plan for your life. May as well go ahead and realize right now that you're not going to win that debate with, Almighty, with the Almighty Creator of the universe who is calling you into an eternal relationship with himself and into a lifetime of obedient service to him. So when God calls, it's time to stop running from Him and run toward Him. 
Stop the flippant, casual attitude toward Him and realize that He is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Stop resisting Him out of confusion and ignorance and start listening to Him by getting into His Word daily and hear Him speak to your heart. Listen, I know it sounds like I'm just, I'm passionate up here or I'm, I, I sound like I might be rebuking you. The Bible does say reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all suffering, to teach and to instruct. I'm not here to rebuke you. I'm here to say that we need to listen and understand the seriousness of God's Word. Stop resisting Him out of confusion. Start listening to Him. By what? By getting into His Word. By praying daily. By applying His Word to your life. Stop making excuses as to why you can't remember that Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. That gives me strength. So here's the application this morning. God's call is serious. God's call is significant. Accompanied by his promises, accompanied by his power, requires us to trust him to provide for our needs. And requires us to trust him to plot out our course. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understandings, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he will Look at your partner and say, God wants to direct you. Listen, I've, I've met so many people in life who wander aimlessly, unsure of who they are and uncertain of who God has called them and created them to be. I want you to know this morning that when God breathed the breath of life in you, He saw your end from the beginning. And He created you with a purpose. You have an identity. You have a destiny that is unique to you. And God wants to move through you onto this earth in a mighty and dramatic way. And I believe that when you practice hearing and living out God's Word, that it will bring confidence into your life, clarity into your life, so that you can live out the mission that Jesus has called you to live. So what can we apply to our lives today? from this conversation that God and Moses had, and I promise that I'll be done in a few minutes. He sees and he hears our cries. He sees and he hears our cries. And I won't go back to the verses. This is verses 7 through 22. He will rescue us. He promises presence with us. He will provide for us. He is with us. I just want you to look at at last verse today that I'll be having us turn to is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 through 10. Can I just say, I, you know, I, I, I don't know why we're all so time conscious because we have appointments and everything else, but I just think the enemy just kind of, he taunts me sometimes when I'm up here pastoring or preaching or delivering a sermon because he's like, look at the time. You're losing them. You're losing them. You're losing them. You're losing them. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Thank you. And so we'll be done when we're done. And I don't think I've ever said that before, but we're going to be done when we're done, I guess. And, uh, but I, I will say that God's word is important. You know, at, at our church, because we, we meet on Sundays, it's so funny that we limit our time with him. When we should just stop and say, God, thanks for bringing us together. I don't know if you're sitting with somebody that's very near and dear to you that you love and you cherish from family to brother, sisters, husband, wife, son, daughter, grandpa, grandma, whatever it might be, friend. But aren't you glad you're together in the house of the Lord? Second Corinthians 
chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 says this, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take great pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Identity. Our identity. Who are we? What we're meant to be. In my weakness, God's strength is made evident. If you have ever wondered if God is working in your life, just look at your weaknesses. Look at your deficits. Look at your insecurities because I just came to tell somebody that God is at work in your weakness. Look at your neighbor this morning and help me preach and tell them God is at work in your weakness. Tell them like you mean it. God shows up in our deficit. It's often our weakness that drives us into the loving arms of our God. It's often our need, our emptiness, our deficit that drives us back to the arms of God. That is where God is working and where God is moving. He says in His Word, For my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And if you'll just take your weakness and say, God is perfecting it, I know who I am. He said, you'll come out better than you started before. That's what happened to Moses. Moses couldn't speak very well. He had Aaron by his side. He said, God, how will they ever believe? How will they ever trust me if I go back to deliver the children of Israel? And he said, oh, don't you worry about your weakness. I know who you are. I created you. I placed you. I put you. I knew you'd be in Pharaoh's house. I saw what was happening. Just embrace your destiny and go do what you're supposed to do. Amen. God is at work in all of us. So church today, all I'm trying to tell you, and as I conclude, is that he will take your weakness and he will perfect it. Don't make excuses for the imperfections that you have because he said you were fearfully, wonderfully made. You were created. You were fashioned. He knows the very hairs on your head. And he knows that the big toe turns in like this on you. Whatever the case might be, don't get discouraged. Let God fulfill what he needs to do in your life. Don't give excuses. Will you make that commitment with me today? Say out loud with me. No excuses. We decide right now that you're not going to try to make excuses as to why you can't respond to God's call right now. God is calling you, moving you, molding you. Trina said to me, I'm going to have a Bible study. I don't even know what I'm going to do. I said, well, yeah, you will. It'll all come together. You do what God calls you to do. When God starts to move, don't start saying, but in my inadequacies, I can't do it. Jesus didn't accept excuses. Matthew 8, 21 says, another man who was a disciple said, Sir, first let me go back and bury my father. Follow me, Jesus answered, and let the dead bury their own dead. In John 6, 60, many of his followers heard this and said, This teaching is too hard. Because of this, many of his followers turned back and would not go with him anymore. They couldn't live it out. They couldn't follow him. 
Last verse, Luke 9, 61 and 62 says, Someone else said, I will follow you, sir. But first let me go and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said to him, Anyone who starts to plow and then keeps looking back is no use for the kingdom of God. Wow. That's not Old Testament. That was New Testament. Now, this was a harsh reality when I read this, and I included it in my message this morning by the missionary C.T. Studd said, We Christians too often substitute prayer for playing the game. Prayer is good, but when used as a substitute for obedience, it is nothing but a blatant hypocrisy, a despicable Pharisaicism. To your knees, man, and to your Bible. Decide at once. Don't hedge. Time flies. Cease your insults to God. Quit consulting flesh and blood. Stop your lame lying and cowardly excuses and enlist today. Wow. That was powerful. I had to go back through and read it again because that word I got kind of my tongue. The pharisaical attitude. He's calling some of you to be saved today if you don't know him. Call out to him right now. Quit making excuses and surrender. He's calling some of you to get off the fence and join the church. He's calling some of you to witness to your very first person this week. To quit making excuses as why you can't do it. You might see him at work. You might see him at school. You might see him at home. He's calling some of you to quit making excuses as to why you can't go on a missions trip or serve in some area of our church. Kids, youth, teach a small group, become a deacon. Join the Women of Hope, King's Night, start a new ministry, spread the gospel with the motorcycle club. He's calling some of you to confess and repent from sin that is weighing so heavily on you right now. That sin, that sin that is going to ruin and destroy your life if you don't do something about it right now as God speaks to you. He's calling some of you to full surrender. Maybe to full-time ministry, as a pastor, as an associate, as a teacher. He's calling some of you to quit making excuses as to why you haven't reconciled that broken relationship in your life. Or how about this, in this church? Listen, friends, there is no excuse that you can give today that is going to stand before God when He calls. Now is the time to turn aside, see the burning bush in your life, hear His voice, and say yes to Him. For he said, Oh, but my grace is sufficient for you. Oh, but I plead with you. For you see, my power, my power, my power, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So church, let's all rise to our feet. Maybe you've been struggling with who you are, what your identity is. Maybe you've never stopped and, and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but today is your day of salvation. Today is the day where God starts to, to change you, mold you, reshape you. Don't listen to His voice. Is God calling you? Do you hear Him speak? Do you understand the importance of obedience to God? And today, church, 
Will you surrender to that? He's calling your name. He loves you. He needs you. And He wants you to have the same relationship that Moses had. A heart of surrender. In church, the song we're going to sing is called All to Us. You can watch the words. I want to thank Ali for making it. It's, it's, a, it's a, one of my most favorite devotional songs that, that's out there. Because if it wasn't for Christ being glorified in this church, we wouldn't have a church. And I stand up here today to say, I will continue as your pastor to hear the word and the voice of God. And when he speaks, I will move. Oh, word of God, speak. Let it fall down like rain. We know the song. We've heard the song. But do you know who you are? Do you know who you are in Christ? Let go of that stronghold. Let go of that habit. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the pain. Walk in newness, church. Let the Lord move you. He's speaking right now. And so God, in the quietness of this room and in this sanctuary, we realize that we're standing on holy ground. And in that song it says, in His presence there is joy. And so, Father God, we thank You for Your presence that's in this room. And that we, in in our obedience, can move and react upon the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, if there's somebody in this room that does not know You, may they come to know You as Lord and Savior. May they confess their sins. May they acknowledge them and realize that you went to the cross to die for their sin. May they accept you in their heart and in their life. Save them, Father God. So God, today, move this church. If you can move one man, Father, you can move a hundred. You can move a thousand. You can move a million. Oh God, we trust in you. God's people said, Amen. Let's sing together.